Hello and welcome to this week's episode of But Why, the podcast that's all about digging into big questions and tricky topics via honest conversations. Before we begin, a quick shout out to Hyde Park Winter Wonderland, who not only provide a great festive day out, which we'll talk about more later, are also today's episode sponsor. This week I'm going to be looking at solo parenting. While my guest was in her 20s and single, she would often joke that if Mr. Wright hadn't come along, that she would take matters into her own hands and have a child on the road. When she found herself still single in her 30s, it stopped being a joke and she started researching sperm banks and fertility clinic. Without any further ado, let me introduce to you author Liv Thorpe. As well as being mum to her son Herb and her terrier Elvis, Liv also went to the same school as me. And for all sorts of reasons, we spent a lot of time voice noting one another on Instagram, but have never actually met in real life. So I'm absolutely delighted to have her here with me today. Well, not actually here, because we're both on the either side of a screen, but near enough. So let's get cracking with the episode. Right. I'm going to ask you for the fourth time and try and act natural about it. How are you really? Uh, I'm a average six out of ten, I reckon. Um, Herb is starting preschool tomorrow and it's freaking me out much more than I thought it would. Um, Just the thought of him in a little school uniform and me not knowing what he's doing every day because his child minds are obviously normally just going, oh, we went here, we did this, here's a photo, you know. Mm. And suddenly it'll just be like, I'll be trying to pull blood out of a stone going, but what did you do? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, it's true. You don't get anything. No. You don't get anything. It, that is very different. It's kind of a notion of them going into the big wide world, even though it's not. It's a very small little world, but it's, really it's, it's definitely a step. And also, God, not to put fuel fuel on the flames, yeah. but once you're in the school system, That's it. the nine to three term time, honestly... Yeah. Life just gets faster and faster and faster and faster I know. because you're never. And I'm, and, yeah, I'm so aware of that, and I think that's what's terrifying. And also, I gave birth to him half an hour ago. Yeah. So I just don't understand it. My niece is my niece is starting school this week, and I did say to my sister, it's a moment when the the whole cliche, but with parenting, that the hours are slow, but the years are fast, is is unbelievably true. I know. It, but I, actually, I say in my book that cliches are cliches for a reason. Yeah. Because they're true. Like, and you, you feel them all the time. Yeah, you Just do. Just every time you think about them, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that cliche is correct. Isn't it weird with parenting as well? You suddenly, I don't know what happens sometimes, but you get a real moment when you see them for who they are as teenagers or as adults. And it's, it can only be momentary, but you're like, oh, wow. It, it's, it's coming. coming and I really feel <laughs> yeah. that with with my boys more so than I bet Greta, you do because I think one day you're going to be men yeah like Greta, Greta's physicality will change and and she will probably become the same as me but the notion that they'll one, be, one day be bigger than me absolutely blows my mind <laughs> it's nuts isn't it you're a man <laughs> I know I can't quite yeah can't get my head around any of that kind of thing no and my other two important questions, which are a complete going back a step, but what star sign are you and what's your favourite biscuit? Star sign, I am a A1 Torian. Uh, I'm stubborn, I'm greedy, I'm loyal, I'm feisty. Yeah, I am the most typical Torian of all time. But Taurus are great, that you're great Good. friends to have. 
uh, okay. I've got some yeah. very very close times in my in my life, and that that wrangle between the fact that you're when you go you go, and also yeah. when you dig your heels and you dig your heels, in, Ooh, but you, yeah. But, but you can be pretty lazy given half a chance. So lazy, given any chance. <laughs> but it's quite oh, a hard, yeah. it's a confusing combination, isn't it? Yeah, tell me about it. Live in my head. Yeah, it's really confusing. But you're Want quite to do grounded. Everything. Really grounded. But um, yeah, there's always a lot of uh, um, kerfuffle, I think is the word in my head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's um, just life, isn't it? And yeah. favourite biscuit. And uh, we've tried to record this several times. And on the last <laughs> recording, you told me that you're a crisps person. And it made me think of when I um, interviewed Catelyn Moran. She has got a very unique hobby slash collection where she photographs every folded over crisp that she's ever eaten. That's a good... I mean, we should be friends. I love her. That's incredible. That's the kind of people you need in your life. It's people I mean, that take photos of crisps. And uh, document it. You are a high-profile journalist, a yeah. very successful, successful author. Business, but, yeah. but your real passion is folded over crisps. Yeah, no, I fair. get that entirely. Yeah. Do you um, want to tell me what your favourite biscuit is? Or you can tell me your favourite crisp, but it's, it's up to you. I don't have a favourite crisp. That's like asking a favourite child. That's mm, not allowed. I get that. It's not acceptable. Um my favourite biscuit, the first thing that came into my head is a brandy snap, and I honestly don't know why. And I don't think I've had one for 15 years, if not longer. My gran used to make them and put cream in the middle, and it was the greatest joy of all time. So I would I'm wonder with brandy snap. Uh, is that truly a biscuit? That That is probably not. It's more of a sweet treat. But it's thing is, you don't. Is it acceptable? Yeah, we'll go with it. We'll Are go with allowed, it. Mainly yeah. because we've, we've been trying to do this podcast for the last half an hour, and we're, we're still in the. <laughs> in not. the very preamble bit so i feel like i really need to crack on with uh, okay. and not not dwell on the ins and outs of brandy snaps so mm. I, i'm struggling to know where to begin with your story i i'm going to follow the lead of your book which is mm-hmm. is to talk chronologically i suppose and for a bit of context before we get into the solo parenting a bit about your childhood and the, the bit before herb if you will yeah, so um, I had a ace childhood and um, until it kind of wasn't particularly. So my mum got breast cancer when I was eight. And then, and and actually as a child, you you don't know any different. So I, I don't know what being eight and not having cancer in my life was like. So that doesn't, there's nothing odd to me about that because that was my normality. Um, and then mum got better and then my father, father father my dad got um diagnosed with asbestos poisoning um and then he deteriorated really rapidly Uh, it kind of takes on the form of lung cancer um and within a year he'd died when i was about 12 well i was 12 and then just as he died mum got secondary breast cancer so from the age of eight until when mum died when i was 17 there was just illness and kind of death essentially in my life. Um, and at the time I thought it was all fine. Like that, like I said, just now that's, I thought it was, I knew it was a bit abnormal because obviously it wasn't happening to my friends, mm-hmm. but uh, it is still all I knew. So I didn't realize until really recently, ridiculously, how much it had affected me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by the time I was 17, and orphaned and um you know just being a normal 17 year old going out getting boozy trying to 
make boys love me, you know. Um, and then I just had two really rubbish relationships. I mean, I say relationships. I was 17 and 21. They were, you know, that kind of relationship. But both boys totally broke my heart. And um, I just couldn't cope with any more pain. And I knew that I didn't want a heartache again. I didn't want anyone to leave me again and that kind of thing. Um, and again, I didn't realise this until quite recently. I didn't fit all the pieces together of that's what was going on in my mind. I kind of knew it was happening, but I hadn't actually acknowledged it was happening, if you know what I mean, mm. um, until, yeah, until I was in my late 30s. Um, and so then I very deliberately built up a wall around me so that people couldn't, so I couldn't get hurt, um, which isn't ideal if you want to be in a relationship and you want children. Mm. Um, but again, I didn't, I spent my whole life like convincing people I was fine. I used to have counselling at my mum's hospice. I didn't realise, I didn't remember having, I asked my sisters if I had it. And they were like, yeah, yeah, of course you did. But you convinced the counsellors that you were absolutely yeah. fine. Um, which wouldn't happen now, I don't think. Mm -hmm. But in the 90s, uh, mental health wasn't so prevalent or talked about or um, wasn't at the forefront, you know, of people's minds. And so I, it, def it just wouldn't happen now. I know it wouldn't. Um, mm. But yeah, so suddenly I was 35 and still single and... And don't get me wrong, it's not like there were loads of men knocking at my door and I was shutting the door all the time going, no, you know. It's not like there was a trail of crying men behind me. I was also crap at dating, but I think I made myself quite deliberately crap. Mm. Um, and I didn't instigate it or, I, did, you know, I wouldn't go out on dates all the time or anything like that. Um, and then, yeah, suddenly I'm 35 and single and desperate for a baby. And do you think that... Because I was reflecting on myself when I was thinking about wanting to become a mum and I don't even remember ever a time when I questioned whether I wanted to become a mother I, I, and I, I was asking myself whether that's conditioning that's a really overused word but you know what I mean it's just because that, well, I that think it was a, it's... yeah or whether I really felt maternal instinct I really don't know no I was um, I was listening to a podcast the other day oh I cannot remember who it was which is annoying. Um, but she was saying that she um, knew that she didn't want children. She just assumed that by the time she was 30, was that maternal instinct would kick in, and it did. Um, but she didn't have that kind of yearning in her 20s, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have kids, you know. Whereas I, I, like you say, I don't remember a time where I didn't want to be a mum. I was, a, um, my brothers and sisters are quite a bit older than me, so I was an auntie at the age of 12. Um, and we've got, I've got 10 nieces and nephews and, you know, they've now starting to have kids and that kind of thing. So we're from a massive family. So there's just always been children. So it was never, uh, oh, I want kids. It was just an assumption mm -hmm. that that's what would happen, that I would have children and, and that would be, that would be that. I'd have a husband, you know, I'd have a lovely, we'd go and do cool things and then we'd have a nice honeymoon and a wedding and la, 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 la. And it just didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, we can all relate to that idea of yeah. feeling like your years of fertility are yeah, are winding up, going. Um, because and really quickly, constant. really, yeah, don't you quickly. think? Yeah, and um, but equally, I also don't subscribe to the notion that once you hit thirty-five, your ovaries implode. 
like there is this kind of you know if you go to some fertility clinics like oh 35 and yeah of course statistically it becomes less but it's not impossible that kind of fear and scaremongering that people do around fertility age is unforgivable I think quite a lot of the time and because it just terrifies people unnecessarily yeah Um, and that's not to say it isn't a fact I know it's statistical fact but Mm -hmm. equally give people a chance that's not going to help people get pregnant or like just just for you the kind of the trigger was that kind of milestone birthday or not milestone but or that was you felt there was a shift then that yeah this was something that wasn't going to be something you just kind of mold in your mind this was going to be something you did it was an action I had to because really every year it kept I kept going oh yeah I'll do it next year you know of course I will I'll do it next year isn't it funny just assuming a knight in shining armor would knock up at my door and be like hi I'm Jim we're getting married tomorrow and I'd be like cool thanks um but obviously and actually then I realized that it I didn't um idealize marriage anymore I wanted it wasn't marriage I actually wanted I always thought that was the first thing I wanted because that's what you think about when you want to be a mum. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a partner, obviously. But then I realised that it was the being a mother that was the most prominent thing. So um, that's that's the route I went down. And and then what are the next steps from there? Telling your your nearest and dearest, and then what? Yeah. So um, I decided to tell my family. Because I knew that if it was a really bad idea, they would say, Liv, are you mad? You can't do this. Like, don't be daft. Because it is still quite an an odd, I guess, decision. Or just not a decision you think you'd have to make. And so um, there are are things that you would not think about that maybe your family would, you know. Um, And so I was constantly just waiting for someone to go, not you. You can't do this. Don't be ridiculous. But actually, once I said it out loud and my family had gone, absolutely, of course you should do that. You know, they didn't bat an eyelid. Really? No, they were amazing. Um, oh, obviously, they were just like, oh, God, how is this yeah, going to happen? And, you know, practicalities, of course, they because they didn't want, you know, because they care about me. Um, but that not one of them said, you're that you absolutely can't do this. I don't support you. And so as soon as I'd said it out loud and they were supporting me, I was like, oh, God, I'm I'm doing this like ah you know um and that's when I decided to blog about it because again then I knew I couldn't back out because another Tory and trait is you know there is full bull in a china shop but you will also back out pretty easily um and so yeah I started blogging about it because I I hadn't found anyone that was like me that was talking about Uh it um it was all quite I don't mean I mm, sincere I think is the word there was no sort of brevity in it there was no lightness there was no it was all very uh sincere and uh serious and of course it is serious but equally I like to joke about sperm that doesn't mean I don't think it's a serious matter no um and I couldn't find anything like that that I felt related that I could relate to so that's why I was like well I I need to do this but also for me to remember what had happened and how I'd felt yeah. and that kind of thing. And so. um, uh, how do you even go about knowing how you go through the process? Who, where's your, other than Google? It was Google. Like, really? Um, and luckily I had just 
by fluke had a um, friend who's an embryologist and so she was just like ask me any questions this is fine mm-hmm. um i won't think you're stupid and because i don't know like i still when people say where should i start i'm still a bit like google because fertility is so different for everybody and it is the most privileged thing in the world for me to be able to afford to go and buy sperm because I wanted a baby like I'll Mm -hmm. never so there are a thousand avenues you can go down and depending on what your uh, fertile health is like and depending on your monetary situation depending on what country you live in everything there's caveats to everything so I can't set like I'm really I wanted to be really clear about my book when um, we were doing PR and stuff for it that it isn't a how to get pregnant because I didn't know what I'm doing. I still, if I went and did it now, I still wouldn't really know what I was doing because it changes all the time. Mm-hmm. The legalities change, the everything just changes all the time. And fertility is a bloody lottery. Like whether you're doing it on your own or with your partner or accidentally at a nightclub loo or whatever, it's a frigging lottery. And there, there are no answers. And there are, I mean, obviously all I knew that I needed was sperm. And so I was like, and they, oh, but uh, they, I'm right in saying they, they were trying to push you to go straight for IVF, but you didn't yeah, go straight for IVF. They you really were... wanted, so I did something called IUI, which is like entry level 101. They put sperm into your cervix. You can do it at home if you want to. I was never going to do that because I'd have thrown it off the wall. I, you know, I would have screwed it up royally. And let me tell you, it's not cheap. So I was like, I need to go to a clinic. I, and get them to do it and it is literally like a smear test really yeah it's the same amount of time it's exactly the same you're in there for three minutes it's not pleasant but it's not unpleasant it's just you know um and uh, then there's iui where you have um you can have hormone um medicine as well to sort of stimulate hormones so that you have more of a chance and then there's IVF and all the forms of IVF, that, which is much more invasive, much more expensive and much more successful because of that, yes. you know, because it's it's very scientifically led. Whereas IUI is like without man. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so the chances are really low. Um, but also I was just convinced that for me, I didn't think I had any fertility issues per mm. se so much as I was single. Um, so I didn't particularly want to pump myself full of hormones if I didn't have to. Uh, obviously, I would have done if it had come to that, but I wanted to start as if I was in a relationship and let's just see what happens. Um, but of course, the fertility clinics didn't want me to do that because they're scientists, essentially. So they want results. They want good results. And so they very heavily pushed me towards IVF um, and kept sort of going... Phew, no not are you not for you you're you're overweight and you're old you know all of this kind of stuff but I was quite that was the only thing I knew about my fertility journey bearing in mind I knew nothing uh was that I wanted to start with just standard IUI yeah and I think everyone listening will be wondering how the picking the sperm yeah donor Mm. process works so um again this for, this is all for me because everyone has such different experiences depending on what country they go to, uh, where they get it from, what bank they get it from, blah, blah, blah. 
So for me, I had watched a documentary years before called The Vikings Are Coming about Danish sperm donors. So the only thing I knew about sperm donation was that in Denmark they did it a lot. And so I went on Google, looked for the Danish sperm bank and uh, checked that my clinic accepted it from that sperm bank because, again, some clinics won't accept it from some countries, from other clinics, from la, la, la. Um, and then it's like a terrifying Tinder or like it's you put in what you want, even though like I didn't really have any. That's what I, it was like. I don't know how to narrow this down. I don't. Yeah. I don't know what I want. You want someone nice who's I just yeah yeah relatively then, healthy. But that's the thing is, I was looking initially. I was looking for someone I thought I would have fun with, like you know, because they have massive bios, like massive bios about their favorite color, their favorite childhood memory, their um, dad's occupation, their granny's occupation, uh, what their favorite music is. All I mean, massive, massive bios. So you can't help initially, but be like, he sounds really dull. Don't want him. Move on. And then. After a while, I was just like that. Like that really doesn't matter that he doesn't like the same music as me, or he doesn't like dogs, or whatever. Because the chances are that's not going to be passed down through our DNA. Yeah. And so then I had to. But it took me quite a long time to realise that actually, mm-hmm. looking back. And then because my family is riddled with cancer, and strokes and just badness, um, I realised that actually it was their familial genetic health that I needed to be looking at um and so that's what I did and just tried to go and obviously these people are heavily screened so they're not going to allow donors who have very bad medical history Mm -hmm. to be donors and also health is a frigging lottery as well so like this is all very nice me going I want a healthy one please uh like Jesus what does that mean but I I literally had nowhere I had no other basis to basically no, and, and I it was getting so overwhelming it was I was so scared and so lonely and so overwhelmed by the whole mm-hmm. thing because it was such a big decision yeah. and I couldn't quite work out or, or get to grips with the fact that there was no right or wrong answer again it's like that completion thing we were talking about earlier like mm. I couldn't go oh I want him and someone would go that's the right one. Well yeah, done. congratulations. Yeah, well congratulations, done. madam. You picked the right one. I, it, it's still a lottery, and that's that was really daunting. But I was really thrilled once I found the donor. I was like, yeah, that's the right one. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kept going back, and I was like, no, that is it. There was just something that drew you to him. That drew me. Yeah. Um, and are, are they all? Pri- is it a universal price per donor? Or are they on a? Oh no, it is. I mean, it honestly, so there are, you can get different amounts of yeah, straws. That Straw, was a, it's called straws, which is the least pleasant like a syringe for, one, is it? For, yeah, for a receptacle of sperm. Like, they just shouldn't call it straw. Anything else, tub, whatever, just not straw. Um, and you can get five mil or you can get, so you can get different amounts and also you can get different uh, motility, which is the, kind of um, health of the sperm, the speed of the sperm. So that depends on the cost, obviously. The higher 
the speed, the more cost, um, how many you want. Uh, if some countries you're, you can have anonymous donors, um, so they can't be contacted. You can't in the UK anymore. Um, I can't remember how long for, but quite a long time you have to, you can't have anonymous donors, which is why we don't really do it in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the price literally no it fluctuates from Cutie. clinic to clinic, from country to country. But yeah, it's and, and uh, in the book you write about how you obviously you're deciding how how many straws worth to buy because mm-hmm. you it's both in terms of increasing your chances of success but yeah. at that weirdly for you at that point you've got to consider whether you're you might ever want to try for siblings and yeah and, and, and therefore is that donor will he still be available if I want siblings or if if those um treatments didn't work would I ha- would that donor still be available then and or would I have to look for another donor again and the thought of looking for another donor if those vials that I'd bought ran out mm. uh, was yeah and it costs everything costs so shipping costs um storage costs admin costs so it's a real yeah do you get yeah it, everywhere you turn there's another fucking decision to make well, that there is no answer for and yeah it just feels wildly open and I suspect that's the same again with all fertility, not just solo parenting, but all fertility when, when you're in a clinic or it's got to that stage where mm-hmm. there's medical intervention, there are no right answers. Anyone that tells you there are is talking absolute nonsense. And so you, you can't make any factual decisions <laughs> because but, there isn't, isn't it's that all parenting? chance. Isn't that, exactly are you learning early doors? What early Google will not doors. give you, people won't, you won't know, everyone can give you some advice but yeah. you are ultimately accountable because in your book you talk about at the end of the day I would have probably tried to gather my siblings or my friends around to try and help me choose a donor because that's Which what is, you do but yeah. but it is only you and it's going to it be is your only child. Me. and also they, that is a big decision for them like yeah you know of course if they don't they, come on they dates with you exactly and so I yeah it was really tough. It was much tougher than I anticipated just because there was so, it was just an endless. And every time I thought I'd got to the end of the decision-making process, then they'd be like, do you want it delivered in nitrogen or super oxidated nitrogen or whatever? It was. And just like, I don't know. How does, yeah, surely there is one way that sperm should travel. Book me on that flight. Like and it comes, and it comes in by via UPS, which of course yes, it does. Literally but I, comes via UPS, which I just assumed it would, and I assumed it would come on some sort of gilded falcon. <laughs> and uh, and so. no, no, it just it has a tracking number like everything else, and it's just yeah, there were just so many ridiculous moments that you're like, because uh, actually it's just all admin, it's all just admin, but really important admin. Yeah. And now, an interlude to talk about today's sponsor who I mentioned earlier, Hyde Park Winter Wonderland, who are returning this festive season from the 19th of November to the 3rd of January. As you know, I'm a big fan of honesty and therefore it's only right that I tell you that I'm not wild about Christmas. I know that's controversial, but 
the pressure and the expectation of the occasion can sometimes really overwhelm and stress me out. However, actually, one of the few good things to come out of the pandemic is that last year, I really figured out what makes me happy at Christmas. And that is a very, very low key day. Just me, the fam, nowhere particular to go. I do this in pajamas and some delicious food. And as part of that, rather than overly focusing on the 25th of December being this unbelievable day, I'm all about doing a whole bunch of memorable things during the festive season. And if you're looking for a festive family day out, then Hyde Park Winter Wonderland delivers. They've got ice skating, they've got an ice slide, there's circus shows, games, bars, food, a Christmas market and much, much more. You could say there's something for everyone, even for those amongst us who aren't particularly into Christmas. And one more very important thing, you do need to pre-book your entry ticket before visiting. You can't just turn up like in previous years. This helps control the crowd capacities and makes the event as safe and fun and run as smoothly as possible. So head to HydeParkWinterWonderland.com to secure your tickets and find out more information. How long does the whole process, how long did that process go, you know, from you deciding? You can, you can do it really, I mean, you if you were quicker than me, you could do it really quickly. You could choose today and you could have sperm here by in two days time. And then you just have to obviously wait for your to body to, to ovulate, uh, which again, I hadn't considered any of that. Like I just wanted to go, 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 like, come on, I've made it. And then just like, oh no, I have to wait for my body. Like my mind is there, but I had to wait for my body to catch mm -hmm. up. And, and that's another really stressful part of fertility is you can't just keep going. You have to wait for your body to do yeah. its thing. You're not in control. Again, it's setting you up for parenting. Mm. You are not in control. There is sod all you can do, no. but wait and you ride it out. You can't will it, can you? That's no, what, you, can't you can't will, will anything. Nope. It's a, yeah, it's a um, very disconcerting experience, all of that. <laughs> and, then, and then you're pregnant. And then I'm pregnant. Blah. And... Um, so it took four goes to get pregnant. Um, and the first three I did consecutively month after month. And then, yeah, and then it broke me. I realised mentally that yeah. I'd put it off for a long time, that how much it was affecting me. And, and I was mm. like, no, I can't go through that again for a while. So I took six months off and then did the last one and was like, well, this isn't going to work. But I'd said I'd do four uh, before I tried IVF. So I'm going to do four, I'm going to do four, blah, blah. Oh, this isn't going to work. Why am I here again, Lala? And then lo and behold, that was the one that he was suddenly in there um, when I was pregnant. Mad. Yeah, mad. Absolutely mad. It's, it's mad even when you've, you've done it, it's mad. And then how is, well, so many things I want to know. What are, the, <laughs> what are your biggest concerns at any point in the run up to it? What are the bits that you're you you're questioning or or were you not but once you made the decision do you feel like you were fairly confident in that choice yeah I did I felt I always felt really confident I never thought I'd made the wrong decision when I was Great. in my right mind but I was really poorly with my pregnancy and so really tired and I mean like everyone like, I wasn't any different to anybody but uh, it affected me much more than I thought I just thought I'd be so thrilled that I was pregnant that I'd be like oh yeah hi I live I'm pregnant and life's brilliant and actually 
I wanted to die. I wanted the baby to come out immediately. I wanted to stop feeling so ill. People going on about, oh, glowing. I didn't glow ever throughout my pregnancy. You know, I, and so there were times in the middle of the night where I'd be crying on the floor, hugging the toilet, being sick, just thinking, what have I done? Mm. What have I done? But again, I don't think that was because I was a solo parent. I think I'd have been having that. I don't think any, I find it odd or hard to believe that anyone who hasn't had a kid before would ever go through pregnancy, whether you're a man or a woman, and not at some stage think, whoa, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell have I signed up to? Can yes. I do this? Is this cool? You know. And I just kept reminding myself that people do it all the time mm. and they do it more than once. If it was that horrific or that destabilizing or or that you couldn't do it people wouldn't do it again like, no and I, and I think in retrospect I think it, it, you, you do reflect and think it's teaching you some some um important lessons but it's isn't it just uh, but also I, I actually was talking to a friend about this the other day unfortunately we're designed to have kids really when we're much younger I much do younger. often think that my yeah. my not early 20 year old body would have breeze through it i think with yes. every pregnancy the older i was the more my body was like really yeah are we doing this because I, yeah just haven't got the capacity and yet still in this country we wildly vilify young mothers i know which i just find extraordinary like it's insane. That, that no matter what age you have a kid depending on when you have it in that what era you have it in will depend on how people so uh, think about what when you had your kids so in the 60s my mum had my brother when she was 17 no one batted an eyelid um other than the fact that she they weren't married so of course they quickly trotted down the aisle and and then everything was fine as long as they were married it was all going to be fine um but if my niece at 17 now got pregnant it would everyone would be absolutely wildly horrified and having a baby i had her when i was just very nearly 39 um, had that have happened at the time when my mum had a baby at 17, I would have been, I mean, they'd have probably put me in some kind of asylum for having a baby that late. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the the change and the shift in how people um, think it. about it. And when it's so uh, personal and dependent on the health of that person or the you know, it's just, I just find it wild. Yeah. The, uh, just general assumptions of when is the perfect time to have a baby. And absolutely, of course, the older your body gets, of course, it's harder. So therefore, why don't we glorify it when they're younger? Like, I agree. So it, does, so it doesn't make sense, this. I just find it really, uh, it angers me for young mums. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And actually, because I, I always told myself, well, you know, at least by the time I got to, my mid thirties, I, my emotional maturity, was, I would have said, was much more able to have a child. Absolutely. But actually, I wonder. There's other complexities as we're talking about that. That emotionally, I'm unpicking in my thirties. In some ways, the slight naivety of my twenties might have made it, would have made it brilliant. I would have. I'd have been a cracking mum. Yeah, I would have locked into it. I would have had the capacity. And then still gone on in my 30s and 40s, I'm not 40 yet, but to to do this unpicking. And I wonder whether, uh, yeah, I've just been asking myself whether what we think is the right answer 
There isn't one. No, there isn't one. And I think you're right. And that's Ryan, the thing. There yeah. just isn't one. And and women are vilified, whether you have one at 17 or you have one at 42, yet those two women are so different that had it been the other way around, it might not have worked. But So yeah. I just, I don't know. I find it really complex and really odd how um, divisive it is and how much people care about what other people do when... Yeah. I, that's what I'm just like. You know. But the difficult thing, as we both referenced, I, I am only realising now how much I plugged into a, a version of what I thought my life should yeah, be. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I, I'm constantly surprised at myself that Same. that I was such a that's such a cliche. And <laughs> you know, especially that school we went to, where they you know growing the next generation of feminists. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what. I, I just hook, line and sinker to all of it. And I'm not saying it's not, not right, but I definitely didn't go into it mindfully. I, I do it when I'm talking to my kids about the next chapter of their life. I try not yeah. to say, and then you'll have kids and then you'll get married because, yeah, because you maybe they will, maybe they won't. Well, maybe they won't want to. Yeah. You know, there's that thing. It's, yeah. It, um, I don't know. I. It's just really... Well, it's just a never-ending, shifting conversation, isn't it? And, yeah. And it is so different for everybody. And it will be different in 10 years' time. Yeah. You know, when Herb is 18. But look, if he gets someone pregnant or if he gets pregnant or whatever at 18, all I want to do is make sure he's happy and support him. I'm not going to be like, dude, what are you doing? This is a huge mistake. Because actually, it ultimately, it just means they'll have more time to spend with their kids. And... Um- I think that parenting is a is a slap around the face. Learning to parent at whatever age you do it, whatever I, age. I don't think I really don't think you can prepare for it. Of course, the smart thing is to financially prepare, find some idea. But when are you financially plan. prepared for kids? Like, no. and we're I am wildly privileged, like that, and so I say this from my little nice in my nice house in Oxfordshire, you know. Mm-hmm. And still, I wasn't financially prepared for children. I had to sell my house in order to pay for childcare because I hadn't, had I thought about it, I wouldn't have had a kid because, but you make it work. Um, And that's me from a really privileged, nice life. Like, it's much tougher for a lot of people. Yeah. Definitely. I, um, I mean, it's all play. I don't know if I'm just having a breakdown because I'm about to turn forty. Will it? Will it all? Will it all make sense on the other side of forty? No, mate. Oh. Look at me. No, nothing makes sense ever. Sorry. Just, it just, but it, I genuinely feel like it makes less sense with every every. Well, it's because we think about it more. That's the problem. Whereas when we were in our twenties, you'd just like, just you know, drunk. shit just happens. <laughs> I just drank. Whereas now, I can't. No. Um, if you could go back and, and have a word, well, I was going to say with pre-herb you, Which one? What, would yeah. You, what, yeah, what would you say? Uh, would you give her some advice or would you say crack on as you are? I would just say prepare for the first three months. It's brutal. I really, I was so focused on getting pregnant that the realities that I must have ignored from all my friends mm. I can't tell like I say I've got 10 nieces and nephews I've got seven godchildren there were probably 
I'd say 35, 40 children in my life all mm-hmm. the time that have been there for years. I must have been doing some hardcore, ignorant, ignoring of what was happening mm-hmm. to their mothers because I didn't once realise how brutal that first step is when when you've had the baby. And again, I don't think that's because I'm a solo parent. I think I'd just blocked it out because all I wanted was a baby. And and like NCT classes and stuff just bore on about the birth, which is really bloody important, of course, it is. And mm. you need to prepare yourself and to have a good, informed, healthy birth where you can, where you, you know. Mm-hmm. But actually what I needed to know was what was going to happen in the two weeks after. Um, and then the months after, and I... I would tell pre-herb live, you'll get through it. It's brutal. Mm. You will get through it. And one day it will be the most fun you've ever had. You know, just, you've just got to ride the wave. Yeah. I always think this though, because again, when I first had kids, I was like, why did no one tell me? And again, I had grown up with a lot of kids in my life and I I was good with kids. And was it that we weren't listening? Was it, I think there's a lot in that people don't talk about their first three months because, A, often it's quite traumatic to relive that for themselves. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. I was absolutely willing it to be all right again. Yeah. So I, I couldn't have uttered those words because I was the first of my friends to have kids. It's only when they're in it, I, I would say, this is really hard, isn't it? But yeah. you, you're yeah, trying it is to convince kind of... yourself it's all right. And I, and for me as well, I was always in my head needing to prove that the decision I'd made was the right, the right one. one. Like, I wanted this on my own. I've got my baby. I'm loving it. Aren't I loving it? You know, I just love motherhood. And and actually, after about two days of pretending to myself, I was like, having a horrible time. It. This is awful. <laughs> this is absolutely awful. And I had my two sisters living with me for two or three weeks for the first two or three weeks. So I wasn't on my own or anything. And they're, they've both got grown up children, you know, they're professional mothers. And still I was blindsided. The thought of doing it with a partner who was also blindsided, like actually being a solo parent really worked in my favor at that time because my sisters were there looking after me 24 hours a day. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it blew my mind. Mm. I'm just glad I acknowledged that I hated it. I think and I, I was too tired to give a shit what other people were going to think about me saying I'm not okay. Uh, I literally, I didn't care if they thought that, if they had an opinion on whether I should have had a kid because I didn't feel okay right now. Because actually my body was in trauma. My mind was definitely in trauma. Mm. Um, and that's okay. Of course it is. Doesn't mean I, you don't love herb. Doesn't that's, mean that's, it, and that's, that's, that's I was why expect- I didn't understand. Me neither. Me neither. I thought this and was I, a comment on how I feel about Bertie, and it, it of course it wasn't in respect. No, of course, and I didn't ever have that rush as well that I assumed no. so heavily yeah. I'd have, because mm. that's what I longed for. Mm. I assumed as soon as he came out that you know the heavens would open and some birds would travel down with him and it would all be beautiful and there'd just be love hearts coming out of her eyes forever and actually I wanted him to be okay I was glad he was there but did I turn around and go to sleep yeah Yeah, you know yeah because I I couldn't move my body from 
from below the waist. So I couldn't actually physically get him anyway. And for the first three weeks, yeah, like I say, I was thrilled he was there. I was super happy he was healthy, but I didn't have that kind of, oh, could you look at you? You know, I, I didn't have it. I didn't have it. I don't, and I was I, devastated. Yeah, I, but I don't think I felt that till about six months. I really remember a moment when I sat mm. and I looked at him and I thought, oh, my word, oh my God, I, I love, love you. you. But that's because yeah. he was a person then. Yes. He wasn't just, te- he was, there was interaction. I yeah. think maybe he was a bit younger than that, but not much. No, my sister took her for a night at her house when he was, I want to say three weeks, might have been a bit older, might have been a bit less, um, because she wanted to spend some time with her family. So, um, and she was like, do you want me to take her? And I was like, yeah, sure. And she was like, are you sure? <laughs> I was like, yeah, like yeah. he's lived with you all his mini life. He knows you as well as he knows me. Yep. And she was just like, okay. Um, so she took him for, I think it was 18 hours, of which I slept 14 of them. I felt unbelievable when he returned. I felt so good and rested and slept. And that's when I was like, oh, I adore this kid. I'm so glad he's back. Yeah, so him going, mm-hmm. actually, I, I totally get it. Like my niece has just had a baby and she doesn't like it if he's out of the room type thing. Whereas I'm the opposite. I'm just like, oh, yeah, if you're happy, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Take him. And him going that time, when I know thing. loads of people will be like, what do you mean he was three weeks old and you let him go? I know. But for me, that is actually what saved us, entirely what saved us. Really? That, um, that was little... him. Yeah, it was him going away um, and coming back and me being like, I hated him not being here. I hated him not being here. And so... And then it's you get awkward. to have them forevermore. And then you get to have them forevermore. And then, and then now I'm like to my sister, please, do you want him again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's, um, I think that's so healthy. I think it, re- it, it really is. You need to have pauses from them. Oh, absolutely. I'm trying to think of what a kind of good, profound way to try and wrap this up. But other than to say, I want to say well done to you. But then I, I actually, well done to every single parent. But Absolutely. Well done for doing what felt right for you and making it work. Yeah, thank you. I'm thrilled I did it. It's been tough, but uh, he's three now and they're really fun when they're three. Oh, they're really fun. Yeah. They're they're a really fun age. Yeah, Greta and him are similar age. Greta's a bit older, but um, Um, but they're fun. They're people. That's the thing. And as that increasingly happens and they become more and more people, I was just like, oh, I really enjoy hanging out with you. Yeah, you're a really good time. Yeah, her yeah. and I get on really well and we're really silly together and, you know, we like each other's company most mm. of the time, um, which for a while there I never thought was going to happen. So if anyone's listening to this who's looking at their kid, just well, I remember when he was really young, like three months, and I used to look at my friend with three-year-olds just going, how old is he? How old is he? Because I was like, I need to get to that stage because yeah. that looks like fun. And I just caught, I really remember to everyone, like, how old's your baby? How old's, how old's that baby? How old's, how old are they? How old are they? Because I just thought I need to get there. Mm-hmm. And actually, I didn't need to wait till he was three. He was about three months, but um, it does come. So if you listen to this and you're drowning a little bit, A, get help, ask for help if you need help. B, it does come. One day they will sit and watch a whole film. And yeah. You can yeah, the challenges change, but it, you're yeah. independent. I think 
I enjoy it more as we can be individual people. And be, and when you're opting into it, you know, the, there's no two ways about it. The, the baby is, which I do love, you know, in retrospect, I do love a, a tiny weeny human on you. It's a dream. But yeah, it's, it becomes easier as yeah, yeah. as an individual. And as they can communicate. Yeah, that it's the is, communication that's the game changer. What's wrong with you? Oh, your tooth hurts. Right, we can fix cool. that. Right, it's that yeah. thing with the baby. Rather than the low level whinge <laughs> yeah. when they can't talk. That was, yeah, that. I mean, lockdown would have been traumatic with mm. when it was just me and him if he if it was about three months earlier he and I wouldn't have got out of lockdown alive because we were not getting on because he couldn't communicate and so he was just cross all the time yeah um but thankfully he started to communicate and was less cross and then we got locked down together and you had no okay time well none of us would have chosen okay babe yeah I'm hesitant to talk about it in retrospect it does feel like we can talk about I don't know what we. I'm not going to do this. No. Um, so before we end, yeah. Where two things? Yeah. Where can people find you, and what do you want to shout about? And yeah, let's do that bit first. Uh, so you can find me at Lives Alone on Instagram, um, and I've written a book called Guess What? Lives Alone. I wanted to call it Spunked, but my publisher wouldn't let me. Um, so anyway, so yeah, lives alone book, lives alone Instagram. Uh, you can it's, find it, me there. It's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Thank you. It's, it's um, emotional and warm and funny and very human. So I, I really recommend good. it. Thank you. Um, and in the theme of the podcast, if you could have an honest conversation with one person, who would it be, and what would you say? Whoa, sauce. <laughs> Dude. oh my god if i could have an honest conversation with one person who would it be and what would i say? i guess it would have to be her when he's older actually i love it no um, one's done a future facing one before i think yeah because i would want to well that's sort of why i wrote the book so that i would remember all the feelings i had so that he would know why what I did to get him and why I did it and I think that's what I think that's who it would be it would be Herb it's always Herb would it, it's always Herb it's always them isn't it mad what kids it's mad do. they yeah. um they're just like the core of your soul but they're yeah. not but then their own people <laughs> don't think about it too much when we all implode <laughs> oh, no, I had a really like classic bit of parenting this morning so my three were having a bath Woody, my middle, was about to get in and he took it upon himself to wee into the bath onto yeah. his siblings. Brilliant. My eldest is very emotional. He wept Ooh. loudly and Greta was going, I always, I, I always wee in the bath every single time. <laughs> I was like, no, people sometimes accidentally wee in the bath, but you don't wee into the bath. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah, and I was yeah, just yeah. like, oh, great, this is going really well. Guys, life lessons. Yeah, yeah, just a standard Thursday morning. <laughs> yeah. They're all kind of clean, bit wee, but <laughs> yeah, whatever. Sure. As long as flies don't <laughs> stick to them, it's all good. But yes, people do wee in the bath, but not <laughs> not intentionally. But also, he got the exact exact Reaction outcome that he wanted. Yeah, it, it works. It played perfectly. I was like, "This yeah. is your three personalities." Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, off yeah. I go to work. Um, anyhow, that's a total aside. Thank you so much for taking. Well, it's been more than an hour because of the tech. Um, palavers and I really 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 hope that I get to meet you in real life I know imagine soon one day what will that be we should make that happen yeah we should 
It's um, been an absolute joy. Thank you so much. I absolutely love that chat with Liv, mainly because I got to talk to someone kind of, it felt like in real life and beyond just um, DM voice notes, which I normally do. But as I, I, I said during the episode, it's really got me thinking about the conversation we have about what parenting looks like, because as anyone who's done it knows, there is there is no magic formula. There is no perfect solution. I'm sure in an ideal world, two parents would be the the approach that people want, but it isn't always that easy. And I would argue that going into it mindfully, having considered the financial implications, the logistics, the way that Liv must have done in order to get to that point that she went to the sperm bank, is probably leagues um, above what most of us do. So that's got to be a good starting point. As I said, her book is absolutely brilliant. I really can't recommend it enough. I'm absolutely flying through it. And it's a joy to read, but it is also very thought-provoking. So do get yourself a copy. It's called Lives Alone. And that's a wrap. Thank you very much for listening to But Why. So grateful to have you here. I say it so often, but I can't believe that getting to have these conversations is part of my job. Seriously, I learn so much from each and every one. Please do join me next week for another Honest Chat. And in the meantime, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your mates all about it. And if there's anything or anyone you'd like to hear me chat to, do drop me a line on butwhy at clemmytelford.com. And my battery is now on 3%, so this feels like the perfect time to wrap it up. Thank you very much. Thank you.